Hello everyone and welcome back to Ladder Day Takes. So good to be with y'all again. Another busy week, obviously that's why this is coming out on a Friday. Happy Friday. Hope you're looking forward to a great Halloween weekend. Um, and they have great plans. I just did a little dress up thing last weekend uh, with some friends down in kind of the St. George area. So I didn't really like, I don't really have any big parties like planning on going to anything like that. That's fine. Just hit or miss for me. I don't really care too much. Um, on today's episode, I go through kind of a news update, seg that segment, and uh, talk a little John Fetterman, Mehmet Oz, a little political arena, battle for the Pennsylvania Senate. Um, I do a advice for my nephew Mark on the mission. He wrote, he wrote in a question, and he was hoping I could help him with that. And then I actually pull in an old episode, and that's because it's a creepy story, and I like published it back in like I don't know, it was like May or something like that. It was when the podcast was still kind of new, um, and I wanted to uh, document this story because it's true and it's freaking creepy. And it's told by one of my good friends, Trevor, um, and I spliced it and I just put it into this episode and want to kind of like get it because it's a little bit Halloween, you know, scary, all that stuff. I like that stuff. So um, so I put that in there and then I do a Hocus Pocus 2 review. I would actually sat down and watch that if you can believe that. That's what I do for y'all because I know you asked me to, so I figured I'd do it. But anyway, I uh, hope you all enjoy that. And then I close it out with a normal gospel segment um just kind of based around some of the things i've been studying lately and some of my thoughts so hope you all enjoy it love y'all and we'll see you on the other side another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like... Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. One thing I want to say real quick is I couldn't believe it. And I think I realized this like shortly after I had uploaded last week's episode. I was like, I didn't put any of my normal transitions in there. <laughs> it's been It's been rough, peeps. Not really. It hasn't. I've been great. Things are good. Like my life is going very well. I'm just... It's busy. That's all. It's just busy. And when things are busy, things like a podcast that you don't really make a ton of money doing, um, it takes kind of maybe a back burner to things like careers and whatnot. Anyway, so sorry for that. I didn't. I could have gone back and fixed it, but I was like, you know, what? that's probably just going to take too much work. We can we can stand to miss a couple of my cool uh, songs that I use. Right. Shout out to the national parks. Anyway, okay. So let's give a little bit of a news update here. Just a couple things I want to go through. And then I've got uh, some letters from Mark and some advice, an advice column that I'm that I'm starting for him specifically. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, first thing that comes to mind, John Fetterman. He's barely alive. If you're not familiar with John Fetterman, he's running for the Pennsylvania Senate against 
Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, for those that know him as that. Um, very uh, well-known, like kind of mainstream doctor that you'd see a lot pop up. And I think the first person to kind of put him on uh, the radar was uh, Oprah Winfrey. And then he went on to go have his own show, the Dr. Oz show. Um, anyway, it's just medical doctor. I can't exact. I don't. I never watched it, so I don't really know what he talked about. But obviously, a very well-known guy, somewhat of a celebrity, I guess, within his own right of being a doctor. But he's running against John Fetterman. John Fetterman is a. He's kind of been in the political arena for a little bit. Like I think he he ran as like county commissioner or something like that, someplace in uh, Pennsylvania. Somehow got handpicked to run for Senate to represent the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania, and he won the primary. He is a stroke victim of like four, five, six years ago, I think. And things are not computing, it seems like. They said he fully recovered right away. That's what his camp has been saying the whole time. But now some people are using that as their convenience, at their convenience, saying, oh, like it's not, like most stroke victims take about like four or five years to recover. And so he's just on the cusp of full recovery. I don't know. It just seems very convenient on their end to to put it that way. But um, if you watch... A lot of the clips that are out there, he's incomprehensible more than half the time. Honestly, I don't really understand what is going on here. It he, He's not putting together a coherent sentence 80% of the time, roughly. I'm so confused by this. It's The, the worst part is, is that it's the most telling. The most telling thing about this is that you could basically elect a corpse as long as it is protecting your interests. In this case of the Democrats, it's gay marriage, it's abortion, things like that. Even though, I don't know, is gay marriage even a topic that people are fighting against anymore? Like, I saw George Takei, who, um, he's one of the Star Trek dudes, one of the nerds from Star Trek. Um, Very vocal Democrat, liberal, out there with his his gay lifestyle, I guess. Um, Very well known in the social media world, specifically tweeted out or something just the other day posted and said republicans don't want me to get married to brad i don't think his boyfriend's name is brad but he said his boyfriend's name and he's like stop republicans from stopping me from getting married or something he's like okay but like gay marriage is a thing like i don't think anyone's fighting against that anymore anyway whatever regardless um if that corpse protects your interests it will get elected that's the world we're living in apparently they even held a rally for john fetterman and he didn't even speak at it really really bizarre stuff we don't know the latest polling post-debate. So they debated, like, I think it was uh, Tuesday night. Um, but if it's anything less than Oz with a five-point lead, we're officially in a weird place as a country. Because after that debate, I don't know how anybody just doesn't lose faith. Now, that actually begs an interesting question. Does coherency trump values? And the answer, of course, is no. So it's not surprising that Oz... Um, wouldn't gain a ton of steam in this race due to the other candidates' inability to talk. But you would think the reverb would be more demonstrative in Fetterman's lack of support. So you'd think maybe his numbers would just go down and there that would make, give Oz the edge and give, maybe kind of lengthen a comfortable lead. I don't know. But maybe those that were going to vote for any Democratic candidate look at this and think, maybe I'll sit this one out. Granted, if the shoe were on the other foot, what would you do? That's an interesting question and something that we can all ask ourselves. But therein lies a major difference. I would at least like to think the party that I primarily identify with wouldn't put out a Pinocchio candidate being strung around by Geppetto because that's what that looks like. It looks like John Fetterman's just there, and that's it. It's kind of like what we've been seeing with Biden lately. In the worst case of that actually happen happening, I think I'd prefer to just not vote. I think I'd just be like, I don't know if I can... I certainly can't support the other candidates' values, 
but I can't support a candidate that's not even really functioning. So anyway, those are my thoughts on the John Fetterman situation. It's been out there for a bit. Voting is taking place in uh, two Tuesdays from now, so it's right around the corner. Um, apparently, Kanye is anti-Semitic. Big news there. Not really, but I mean, it's news. <laughs> and he's not a billionaire anymore because of that. Uh, Adidas pulled their sponsorship from him. And as Ben Shapiro has often said, live by the Kanye, die by the Kanye. So you can't necessarily hold a lot of value to what he says because at some point down the line, if you give him a rope long enough, he's not just going to hang himself. He's going to hang everybody that supports him. So you just got to be careful of people like that. I'm, I've been saying for a bit, I don't think Kanye's mental health is 100%. I think he's got some issues. Uh, people close to him have spoken about that. Um, weird stuff. So I don't think it'd be smart for anybody to wholly adopt kind of what he has to say out there, but it's going to be interesting regardless. All right, time to talk about something positive now. Uh, Nephew Mark, new update from him out on the mission. He is in Kentucky now. So this is what he has to say. Um, They're not too long, so I hope you don't get too bored reading this or listening to this, but I don't get bored reading it, so I'd imagine it's somewhat entertaining to listen to. Anyway, Mark says, hi, period. (laughs) This, This part is negative. My comps still don't wake up till 9, and we don't leave the apartment till 6. By the way, he's not. I don't think he's being facetious here. By the way, I think this is Harper talking. I think he's being real. Anyway, back to the letter. And they take naps throughout the day, so I scrub the walls trying to make the place cleaner. And they hate me and don't talk to me unless they're telling me how bad I am. And they got mad at me for bearing my testimony of the atonement. <laughs> and they won't eat the heels of bread. Now that's just ridiculous. But they ate all our other food. And they told me cooking sucked. And they used all the laundry soap, so I'm triple wearing. <laughs> And they killed the cockroach on my plate while I was eating. And they say, I just don't feel like doing anything today. And one got broken up with four months ago, but still manages to talk about her every day. (laughs) But all good. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Okay, so he does know. He does know. He doesn't know how to use an exclamation point. Good for him. Ether 12.4. So fi. Go read it. I think that's a Gen Z way of saying fire, maybe. So fire. Go read it. Anyway, okay, I'll read it. I'll pull it up here live for the show. Let's go to Ether 12.4. Everybody follow along. 12, here we go. Here's Ether 12.4. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. Oh, yeah, this is good. He's right. That is fi. All right, back to the letter. Also, I wasn't kidding about scrubbing walls. I cleaned off one really nice, so I think this week I'm going to do a nice Bob Ross painting. That would actually be dope. Also, I mopped this week while they were sleeping. Oh, and by the way, there's no joke. Okay, side note, Harper speaking here. There are, I'm going to actually read out here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 individual sentences, all one line, that start with the word also. So you're going to hear me say it a lot. That's because he actually has it written. Anyway, also I mopped this week while they were sleeping. Back to the letter, right? But we have no mop, so I tied a rag to a stick and scrubbed the floor with that. It looks like the top of the Chrysler building now. My dad is proud of me for that reference. Obviously, he's uh, this is Harper. Obviously, he's referencing Annie, the play. Okay, back to the letter. I feel like Cinderella. Maybe I'll get married soon. 
Also, we have a cheese grater, and it's actually so good, except I accidentally grated my thumb, so that was not good. Also, we had exchanges this week, so I found out what it's like to be a real missionary. I can't wait till that's me. Also, with the little time we did get out, I talked to everyone and set up as many lessons as possible. My comps say this week was the most people they've ever found. I was not shocked. Also, I bought some baking stuff on Monday, except bad news, our oven does not work, so that sucked. If you need some flour, check Facebook Marketplace. I'm selling it for way cheap. Also, the food was better this week. I made some nice tacos for myself. Also, I still sleep, talk in Spanish. Also, I went running twice this week around the parking lot. It was freezing. Also, this was actually wild. I was going to give a blessing to a sick, like hospital sick child, but they wouldn't get off their tablet, so we couldn't give it. The parents didn't do anything. It was actually crazy. Side note, Harper speaking. I actually would probably have given that blessing anyway. That's just me. I don't know what I would have done as a missionary because as a missionary, you are used to just kind of like doing things like by a certain book, right? But a blessing is still important. And if a kid even isn't paying attention, it could still be helpful. And I still would have probably done it had it not been very distracting. I know that sounds a little bit arbitrary, but that's just my thoughts immediately on that one. Okay, back to the letter. Also, fall is super pretty. Can't wrong about that. Also, still have cockroaches, but not as bad because I clean all the time. Also, it's actually so cold here. Also, thank you to everyone. These also. Also, thank you to everyone who emails me back. It brings me so much joy. Things will get better. I think it's pretty bad, actually. I will keep trying. It's just work four times as hard for the rest of my mission to make up for this transfer. I'm looking forward to that. Also, during comp inventory, I tried to talk to them about how maybe we could try things differently and try to be more effective missionaries. I think they hate me now. I could be wrong. It could be the same. From the most positive elder out there, love you. And then he gave some pictures, what he's been up to. He's looking good. He's looking good in front of some Halloween directions. Um, and then he has a text message from somebody. Or no, he sent, tried to send one, but it said not delivered. Taking picture during study, tacos, onions. Anyway. All right, let's get to the advice. Quick little side note before we get to the advice section. I wouldn't be surprised if what he's experiencing with his companions, I don't think that's uncommon, unfortunately. Uh, Bad missionaries, missionaries that didn't want to work, was not particularly uncommon when I was out there, which would have been, wow, almost 20 years ago at this point. That's crazy. Um, But I... It was definitely less common, and I would imagine it's just a generational thing. Now, that makes me sound like this old curmudgeon and being like, oh, hey, uh, it's it's just the younger generation's always worse, right? I don't know. I think living in a world with growing up with tablets, video games, and all sorts of other things where it's just primarily a sedentary lifestyle, getting and leaving the house is somewhat of a foreign concept. So when that's what you have to do to start and in, to initiate your work – it's easy to ignore that part because that was always work for them is just leaving the house. I don't know if that's the case here, but I think you're going to start seeing that more often with missionaries personally, but that's just me. Anyway, so Mark's email, and this is directed towards me. Um, and I called him out for the basketball reference of him dunking on me. So that's what he starts out with. He says, what's up, Harper? So good to hear from you. I was kidding. Of course, I know where my place is on the court. Oh man, I'll try not to let the pressure get to a to me and affect my writing some questions i have are mostly how to deal with lazy trainers it's different than just a regular bad comp because i'm so green i don't even know how things are supposed to be so i'm trying to pull these guys into good missionary work when they're supposed to be teaching me how to do it i don't really know how or i don't really know what to do i'm just suffering and working as hard as possible when we do go out 
that's my big question this week. I'm sure I'll have some more as I actually start doing the work. Also, you're going to have to send me audio clips or something of the advice. I can't listen to the pod out here, unfortunately. Anyway, hope you're doing good with every, any everything. Okay, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. So I'll try and cut this audio and get it, send it to you over email. I don't know how you'll be able to listen to it. If that doesn't work, then um, obviously we can figure out another way. Maybe I can just actually transcribe what I say. But here's the advice. And I would actually invite others to chime in as well if they've experienced something like this. Fortunately, I did not. I did not have companions that were so reluctant to go work. Um, I've had lazy ones, and there's there's different degrees of that, obviously, of laziness. But there were, for the most part, they were all at least down to go out and just find something to do, right? So we were always uh, able to get something going. Now, I think what I would start with, Mark, is I would actually try and place what, like, try and write out essentially what I want to achieve as a missionary in theory and what hard work looks like to me. And I would try and itemize everything and just say, which components of missionary work do I want to really excel in? Now that's probably all of them. So maybe write out all of them. So there's going to be emotional, there's going to be physical, there's going to be spiritual, and there's going to be personal. And come up with categories like that and then write out goals. How are you going to, like, what is it that you want to achieve within each of those categories? As a missionary, your spiritual goal, I would imagine, entails around a personal component and an external opponent, which is try and talk to this many people every day. Try and set up this many lessons. Your goals should always be oriented around what you can control, not what you can't control, right? That's why baptisms is kind of an interesting one, because whenever you're dealing with other people's agency, setting a baptismal goal is a little bit strange. We always did that monthly. We'd always say, let's try and get five baptisms this month or whatever, right? And, and when you're dealing with the choice of other people, that's a lot harder to achieve. So you really need to focus your goals on what you can do as a missionary specifically, which is I want to read the Book of Mormon in the next two-month span that I have. I want to learn the language to this degree. I want to perfect these parts of a contact. When I go up to somebody, what am I going to say in this scenario or that scenario? And you could really detail all that out. And since you're going to be at home longer than you want to be, you're going to have time to do this, unfortunately. But that's what I would do. I'd try and detail and itemize specifically what you want to achieve as a missionary and furthermore, how are you going to achieve it, right? You have the big overarching goal of what you want to be. What is your, what are the end of your two years? What do you want that to look like? Imagine it and then start writing down what, how, what am I going to do to get to that point? Now, you can't control your companions to uh, in large part, right? You can't just ring them by the neck and say, we're going out and doing this, especially since you're junior comp. The hierarchy is ridiculous, but that's what happens. You can't go out alone. That's unfortunate, but it is the rule, and you have to stick to that. So you can't do any of that. But what can you do? Well, you could talk to the mission president, and I wouldn't hesitate personally because your priority here is to get work done as a missionary. Your priority is not to be liked by your companions. As long as you know you're doing what's right and God knows what's you're doing, what you're doing is right, you're going to be okay. And yeah, maybe you will even develop a reputation where it's like, oh gosh, this Elder Anderson is this overzealous missionary type that it just wants to pretend like he's doing all the hard work when he's just not really, when it's just ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. They may say whatever they want. And you know what? Most of it would probably not even be even close to true. That's That's probably what would happen in this case. But I'll tell you, it's still worth it. I'm not saying that you go like rat on them, rat on them to the mission president. Just be like, they're the worst. They do this. You don't need to go into every detail, but talk to your mission president and say, hey, 
I'm having a hard time here because literally we go out for this long every day. It's like an hour. That's it. Or I don't know, just mention specifically what you're not doing and how you want to change that and how you think according to what you should be doing as a missionary, you should be doing it differently. We're not going out to contact at all, ever. We're barely teaching any lessons. Detail all that to mission president. And if it comes down to him just having to talk to your companions, yeah, you may have to pay the repercussions on on the other side of that when he talks to them. But wouldn't you rather do that than just be a miserable missionary knowing that he could go out be going out to do good and isn't able to because he's got two morons that are with him? So you just got to kind of work towards or try to think about constructing your head what is the lesser of two hardships here. And I'll tell you right now, having to deal with idiot companions is definitely lesser than having to deal with your own conscience telling you you need to get out there and work and you're just not able to. So that's one way you can do it is that you are trying, right? You can try and by talking to them sternly, you can tell them, hey, honestly, I'm going to have to take this to the mission president if things don't change because I'm miserable. We're not acting like missionaries. We're just acting like high schoolers on summer break that happen to be in a different state than our families. So if that helps, let me know. I can try and give you a little bit more insight there. And if I feel if I get any other feedback as well, I'll let you know for sure, Mark. But hang in there, man. We're all rooting for you. And uh, good on you for even having this concern and being aware of it. Wishing you the best. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're shifting gears here. So the next topic, the next story I want you to hit is a story that we refer to as the goat man. Now, I want to give a little preface here. The first time I heard the story, you weren't even there at the group I was in. They were saying, oh, no, like Trevor has this crazy story. And then they were sharing it. And I was like freaked the hell out. And then I heard it from you, and I still got freaked out. And so I'm like, we got to, like, this This has to be documented. This this story is so nuts. Well, to be fair, it's not my story, but... Um, We're going to call it your story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's just pretend... Didn't happen to me personally. Let's pretend it did, though. Okay. I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. Creative editing. Um, yeah, so you just want me to jump into it? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I had this buddy, um, and in high school, he and a bunch of friends decided to go up to this cabin in Wyoming, and they were, most of them were seniors in high school, Um, and there were a bunch of kids going, like 40 um, high schoolers going up to this cabin, and it was this, one of these kids' parents owned... uh, this cabin and, and a ton of property and it was really a remote area uh and so it, it took hours to get there and it was what state again sorry wyoming wyoming yeah it, it took hours to get there and, and they're it, from utah yes yeah yeah um and so yeah it took hours to get there and they 
um, it, it was really isolated. And they stopped at this gas station that was the closest thing to the cabin, but still miles away. And they, my, my buddy said the first thing that was like a little bit weird was this gas station. And he said it, it, it was a creepy gas station. Almost, Total like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Yeah, like, uh, and I imagine like, okay, it's it's got a gravel, mm-hmm. you know, no no sidewalk dirt or, yep. or and one, one gas station pump, pump yeah. and then just a broken One down. of those that you have to physically switch from like <laughs> bottom to the top. Exactly, and yeah. it's got the, the numbers that flip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Nothing's digital. Yeah, and so they go and, and they're buying candy or something in the, in the gas station. And they said this att- gas station tent was just weird, dude. Mm-hmm. And he was he was just like asking all these questions, and he was he was just like, "Where where are y'all headed?" And we're like, and they're like, "Oh, we're we're in this area." And he he got this like concerned look on his face, and he's like, "Y'all aren't sleeping outside, are you?" And they're like, "No, we're in a cabin." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that's good, because there's rumor that the goat man's out." And they're like, yeah, okay, dude. Thanks for the heads up. And uh, they were just like, this guy has smoked way too much crack. You know, like yeah. just some redneck that has lost his mind. Uh, so I mean, they, I, If I'm hearing that, if I'm on this trip, I'm like legit like kind of excited. I'm like kind of pumped. Like, oh, that sounds sweet, man. I love this scary stuff. Like I'm in. <laughs> like I don't believe it, but I'm in. I don't even think they thought twice about it, yeah. dude. You know, they just thought it was some crazy old guy. Um so, anyway, so they, they keep going up to this cabin, and when they get up there, um, they get out of the car, and another thing that happened that was a little bit weird at first was they heard this clicking sound out in the woods, and it, it wasn't something that you would normally hear in the woods, that, and nobody knew what it was, but everyone was like, yeah, it's a little strange, what is that? You know, And they discussed it, but again, didn't think about it that much there's like oh there must be some explanation for it this was while they were at the cabin yeah they just didn't they like gone to the cabin oh maybe you're getting there though yeah they just got in the cabin okay so um they go in the cabin and they're hanging out you know and, and nighttime rolls around weren't there two guys like walking down a path at one point though like down the street yeah so yeah. that's yeah that's oh that's it. still coming yep my bad dude. It, it, right now so it, it's actually it was a guy and a girl mm-hmm and doing some guy and girl shenanigans well, I, I think they were just taking a, a romantic stroll in oh, the woods you know freaking terrible high schoolers <laughs> yeah. but they uh they were walking on the path and they see it, it well yeah it was a trail and they see a guy in front of them and they they assume it's someone from their group and so they shine their flashlight and it's it's not a high school student it's an adult and, and it's a a man dressed in like animal skin you said right fur yeah fur. He, had, he was covered in fur and as soon as they shine their light on him he ran off of the trail into the woods and they're like what the frick you know and it was it was rare to see people out here during the day because it's so remote and and much much more so or much less rare more rare <laughs> less rare or more rare uh, but yeah it was it was you you never saw people at night and they're like why the freak would he run into the woods so they went back to the cabin and told everybody about it and, and it's dark was, already at this point yeah it was yeah. dark outside yeah and nighttime so 
everyone's like, that's that's pretty creepy. So they didn't go back outside um, the rest of the night for the most part, you know. And so anyway, next day rolls around, nothing happens that the rest of that night. Next day rolls around, and most of the kids go home. So it's, it's a little three day trip. Yeah. So that well now it's Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And there were only seven kids that were staying Saturday to Sunday. Mm. And so most of the kids roll out early that afternoon. And then um, the the seven kids that stayed were just hanging out in the cabin. It's nighttime again at this point. And they, they had some kids that were just, they were, they were trying to be funny. I guess one kid was, was a little scared. And so they decided to lock him out of the cabin. Um, at, at, at night and so he's freaking out and he's like hitting the door and he's like hey you better let me in I'm gonna effing kill you guys I'm not joking around effing let me in now like he, he's cussing he's he's seriously like mad because he's so scared and they left him out there for a couple minutes and then let him in and, and nothing happened while he was out there um, and so Fast forward, you know, later on that night, it was it was about midnight um, at this point in time, and the, the kids are all awake and they're in the front room, and they hear something like hit the door, and it, my my buddy said it was like something would hit the door and drag something down the door, so um, he said it. it he didn't know what it was, but it was really loud. So it hit it and then drag. And it, it did that a few times. And, and the kids are all like freaking out. Yeah. Freaking yeah. out. Cause their, their buddies had left their, their other friends had left like early afternoon. And so one of the, the kids yelled through the door, who is it? And my buddy said that the voice that they heard is, indescribable um and he said the only thing that come comes close to describing it is when a cat makes this like growly low sound Um, but he said the the voice sounded unearthly it did not sound like it was from this planet and he said it was like the most evil voice he's ever heard Uh, or he had this this way evil feeling when he heard that voice and so i've got a, a recording of what he was trying to talk about, or what yeah, was like an example to. of what the voice might have sounded like. Yeah, yeah. With the, this cat. So here we go. That cat looks freaking possessed, dude. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, so that's what he was talking about, though. That low growly sound that that cats sometimes make, and. The voice said exactly what the kid had said that they locked out a little earlier that night. It said, let me the F in. I'm not messing around. I'm going to F and kill you guys. It was nice of him to at least edit the kid's language. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Uh, You better let me in now. Yeah. Right? Verbatim what the kid had said earlier. And... Then once once it got done saying that, then it, they heard this loud clicking sound. So it was the claim, same clicking sound that they had heard when they got there the day before. And it was right outside the cabin. And it was circling the cabin faster than 
anybody, any, any person, could do, yeah. yeah, could run. And so it, it kept doing that. And finally, one of the kids was, I, I guess, kind of a hothead, and he, he they had a shotgun in the house. So they get the shotgun, and, and the kid opens the door. And as soon as he does, that thing was out in the woods. Um, it Did just they see it, or like just they didn't? No, they it they just it, it just disappeared. Wasn't around. Gotcha. And so the the kid actually shot three shots um, out into the woods and yelled like, "If you come back, we'll kill you." Mm-hmm. So they they shut the door and they had this debate, right? Like, what do we do? Do we drive? Do do we pack up our stuff and drive on miles of dirt road home, or do we just all? hang out here until it's light and then leave first thing in the morning you know and and ultimately they decided to stay uh, because they thought that was safer than than trying to pack everything up and leave that night so they all slept in one room they made sure all the doors were locked and uh yeah they, they just piled up in one room so for for my buddy that's when that's all that happened right but there was one kid that um more actually happened to him so he couldn't sleep uh, and they all decided to sleep in the same room yeah they were just like they locked the whole place down in a line in the same room and so one of the kids could not sleep he was so scared and he had the the shotgun he he laid by the shotgun um and like three three thirty um he said he saw someone come into the room from the bathroom and lay down and he, he thinks lay to down him, in the room they were in yeah yeah and, and and so he thinks to himself like i don't think i fell asleep and i know i didn't see anybody go into the bathroom and so he leans up to look down the room or look at the other people in the room and it was dark to the point where you could see like faint outlines of mm-hmm. people but you couldn't decipher who was whom yeah and so he counted the the people in the room and there were eight people not seven and so he was freaking out he did not know what to do at this point. is this the dude with the shotgun yeah uh-huh mm. and so he just decided to lay still and just wait and, and he's holding the shotgun um, you know, by his side. And he said, you know, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, he sees this shadowy figure stand up and it goes and it stands over people in the room. And he said it looked like, he, it was like he was hovering over, crouching over them and his chest was shaking like he was laughing like hard. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't making any sound. Jesus, creepy. And, and so he went and did that over everyone in the room. But this kid was just even so, over this kid. Yeah, but and he was just so scared. So much he, for being a hothead with a shotgun. A oh, I don't think that it was the same kid. I don't think it's the same kid. Um, so he didn't know what to do, you know. And he's like, "Do you run for the light? Do you, you know, do I shoot?" Like he didn't know. So he just laid there, like petrified in fear. And with like his eyes closed. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get that level of detail. But um, anyway, so after it, it goes and, you know, stands over everybody in the room, then 
this thing walks back into the bathroom and shuts the door. The kid didn't move the rest of the night. He, did, he didn't do anything. But he just laid there awake. Freaking pansy, every... dude. <laughs> what, would you, what would you have done? I don't know, bro. I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't have let that thing stand over me, though. That's, That's the for thing, sure. man. Like, I'm not cl- like I don't think I could close my eyes, but I'm also like too scared to open them. So that's I mean, you just yell out and wake everybody up, and I don't know. Yeah, but the the thing is like a shotgun, so you don't want to shoot that with other people in the room. Yeah. So I yeah. But it, maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So so anyway, um, the next morning, they went and checked the bathroom, hmm. and the window was open in the bathroom. And what they they ultimately uh, think it was is there were some Indian reservations in the area, and they think that it might have been a skinwalker. And the thing that was, you know, doing the clicking sound, the thing that was running around the cabin, um, the thing that had the weird, unearthly voice, Mm -hmm. and, and the thing that was doing that ritual or whatever it was in the house... And the guy, same was the same guy that was walking on the trail. They think it was a, a skinwalker. Skinwalker, yeah. And he was just doing some ritual or, mm-hmm. or something to them. And so uh, I, I was, I, I'm really into scary movies, you know. Mm. And I was watching the, I was watching the trailer for this scary movie. It's called The Conjuring Two. And when I was watching this movie. It had this recording of this twelve-year-old girl's voice, and it's actual recording. Yeah. And this, or maybe it was eleven. She was eleven or twelve. I can't remember, but she was possessed. And the recording is in the uh, in the trailer. And when I heard that voice, it's it's exactly what my buddy was trying to describe. Yeah, it's uncanny. when when describing this experience. So let's hear it. I'll, I'll play this trailer just so you guys have another reference. Um, Here's the most user-friendly guest or listener-friendly guest I've ever had. Well, I don't know about... You uh, really care about the audience. I appreciate <laughs> that, man. Hey, thanks, bro. We were a very close-knit family. We was good children. We had no knowledge of the history of the house before the happenings. remember Ed saying, we'll go, we'll go to Enfield. She got out into the neighborhood that there was something strange going on in our house. And then it became known as the strange happenings in Enfield. It says that was real. That was those were the real actual recordings they played for the trailer. Yeah, of an eleven year old girl. <sighs> Bro. Kind of wild. This is freaking me out, man. It's dark outside. I gotta I gotta make my way out to my car. Like I'm gonna have to actually have you escort me out. I'll there. have Shannon escort you, dude. Yeah, I'm, good, I'm a man. bigger I make her kill spiders and stuff, so Yeah, that, that sounds about right between you two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
right, now it's time for the Hocus Pocus review. Um, we'll see how this goes. I did watch it, and I'm kind of mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for watching it. I shouldn't have taken that time. It was such a waste of time. Um, I saw, like, the first 20, 30 minutes at a get-together, like, making some, like, Halloween treats and then watching Hocus Pocus 2, which I thought the watching Hocus Pocus 2 part was more of a joke, but when they started taking it seriously, I was like, I'm going to leave. This isn't what I came for, so. <laughs> anyway, but I was like, maybe it'd be kind of fun to review it on the podcast, so here we are. Um, two things that I thought would happen for Hocus Pocus 2, by the way, that was going to take place. It was going to be absolutely terrible, just because this did not have the makings of a good, re- uh, like, a what, sequel, right? Didn't I, I had no reason to believe that it would actually be good. And it's going to be woke. Pretty much, I was spot on on both. Now, the woke themes aren't totally overt, but they do love putting their little woke Easter eggs in it. Like, every white male is incompetent. Uh, there are, I think, at least four transgenders at, at one point. There's the whole girl power theme. Um, although the best line did come from Buster Bluth, uh who is in it he was if you don't know him from arrest development that's his character's name buster booth i think his real name is tony hale um he plays like the mayor in both eras because it takes you to kind of the era of the sanderson sisters growing up as little girls um being persecuted for being witches and then actually becoming witches so what came first the chicken or the egg Ooh, i don't know anyway whatever i don't care um but here's I'll get to that line here in a second because I do want to highlight that because that was like one of the lighter moments of the or not one of the better moments of the movie. But I want to highlight a couple of what made Hocus Pocus one so good. And I'm going to share the quotes I went through and I found some quotes that I actually really liked from Hocus Pocus one. And there's a reason why I'm going to do that right from the get go. Winifred Sanderson, she opens up the, the windows and she says, oh, look, another glorious morning. It makes me sick. Um. Thackeray Bink says, you hag, there aren't enough, there are not enough children in the world to make the young and beautiful. <laughs> um, and then uh, the little girl even has a good line at one point. She says, this cat here, Binks, right? He can talk. My brother's a virgin. He lit the black flame candle. The witches are back from the dead and they're after us. We need help. <laughs> I think it's when she's telling that to the fake cop. Um, and then the mom at one point is like, how much candy have you had, honey? Um, and then when they're in the high school, trying to chase after the kids one of the sisters says what is this place the other one says it reeks of children and then winifred um bet midler's character says it is a prison for children which is hilarious high school we always refer to that as children or a prison for children um then jay the bully this is my favorite line in the movie jay the bully the long-haired blonde kid which by the way ernie who's also ice like kind of had an acting career he was in uh walk the line at one point grew up a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints funny enough but the bully ice yeah he's a member and i think he's still active um regardless uh fantastic presence those two guys had um jay the bully though the long blonde haired one says when we're just there out late at night vandalizing places and the sanderson sisters walk by and they're like oh man how come it's always the ugly chicks that stay out late <laughs> and then winifred turns around and goes chicks <laughs> And then they take them and put them in a steel cage and torment them. And I think with the intent of killing them, eating them, whatever. But anyway, that's the major difference between the two movies. In Hocus Pocus 1, the acting was actually pretty good. I mean, nothing to write home about, but it was good for a kid's movie. And the writing is also on par. Like, it was it was solid writing. Pretty funny. Stands the test of time. Whereas for Hocus Pocus 2, 
I'm not sure what's worse, the acting or the writing. Somehow, even the Sanderson sisters' acting went south, and those were the same actresses, right? You have, I don't know the other one's name, but you have Sarah Jessica Parker and Bette Midler and then Kathy Najimi or something like that, I think. But anyway, um, I think they were trying a little too hard to be funny and relevant, but I think that was mainly the writing happening. It's like the, that's the price you pay for having a bunch of millennium and millennial and Gen Z writing. Um, no self-awareness for how ridiculous the premise is. And that's why the first movie did well, because it's a ridiculous premise. So they were pretty self-aware of it, and they just kind of owned it and leaned into it. Whereas this second one, they like took themselves too seriously. I don't know. It was just bad. But the best parts of Hocus Pocus 2, there was another sing and dance scene. Pretty solid. Not nearly as good as the first. That's actually one of the best parts of the first movie, too, when they do I Put a Spell on You. Really good part. They do a good job there. Um, in the second movie, also not bad. Pretty good. Um, anyway, my favorite line was Buster Bluth as Mayor, Mayor Trask is like coming back from just like having a terrible day, I guess. And he comes home to the Sanderson sisters kind of like, uh, trapped in a, in a circle of salt, a salt circle in his garage. And he's like, what is going on? And he's just so annoyed the whole time he wants a caramel apple. And he goes on this huge rant about how he had to go to Walgreens to get a caramel apple. Anyway, so this is what he says. So he's like yelling this to the girls and the, the protagonists in the movie. He's like, I come home and it's like the gothic golden girls in my garage. <laughs> this could be a caramel covered matzo ball for all I know. Anyway, just good job there. But he, I mean, that's no surprise. That guy can actually act and his presence is amazing. And so when you give him a nice like ranting line, he kind of nails it. So it was one of the better parts of the movie, obviously. Anyway. Here's the most interesting part to me, though. And this is what I'd be curious to know what some of you think. In Hocus Pocus 1, the witches are very clearly bad. But in Hocus Pocus 2, it's semi-ambiguous. And here's the main spoiler, right? If you're not going to if you haven't watched it to this point, just don't. Just don't watch it. So, if you don't want it being spoiled, I guess stop listening, but I'm going to spoil it right now. The main protagonist, the female teenage girl, or female teenage girl, sorry to be redundant there, but the female teenager apparently has some witch powers she discovers that throughout the movie and just like harry potter and the other female lead from the last round of horrible star wars movies they use their powers to fight the main antagonist but it then abruptly ends with the sanderson sisters getting their power the power they always wanted right to live forever however it apparently only applies to winifred because she's the one that does the spell and getting all the power that she was looking for meant losing the things that meant the most to her which were her two sisters and that saddens her. So the new young, apparently good witches or witch casts a spell with the help of her two friends, which is what how I discovered this is like what a coven. A coven is just a group of witches. I didn't know that was a thing until this movie, but it's out there. So the new good in parentheses coven casts a spell to get Winifred her sisters back. But what it really does is it just sends her to them, which I can only assume is hell, I guess. And she accepts her fate graciously. And somehow in the process becomes sympathetic. So, Hocus Pocus 2 equals which is good, I guess? It really does leave it ambiguous. It's kind of weird because you have a good witch who's now like, he was like the female protagonist. I don't know, weird stuff. Um, It does, it did actually remind me that there is kind of this growing movement of people thinking they're witches. And I'm not joking here because I actually have a close friend whose younger sister considers herself a witch. Kind of strange. Can only imagine this movie promoting that type of behavior and mentality. 
not to say that like I don't want to sound fear mongering here, but it is weird. If I had kids, would I let them watch this movie? Probably, probably, definitely the first one. But the second one is so stupid. I'd rather them just not watch it because it's stupid, not because I'm like scared of like the stupid little Easter eggs that they put in there and like. I'm not scared of them getting brainwashed or anything like that, but it's just dumb and a waste of time. So that's mainly the reason why I would say no. But anyway, another kind of darker revealed part about the movie too is the fact that apparently the new black lit or black candle or whatever that is, the, the thing that you like to bring them back. So there's two of them in the second movie and this guy makes the black lit candle and it's alluding to the fact that he killed the two bullies in order to make it. I think is what people are saying. So that's kind of dark. But anyway, regardless, it's just a weird one. I guess witches are good now. And that's my main takeaway from Hocus Pocus 2. Besides the fact that Gen Z has zero clue how to write a movie. Millennials, I don't think so really either. Disney is kind of trash now. Except the Santa Claus TV show is coming out next month. And you know what? Tim Allen might be enough to just carry bad writing. We'll see. All right, time for the gospel segment, spiritual thought, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I was reading in 2 Nephi 28, right at the end. I'm actually in Jacob now. Um, That'll go quick. Jacob's like seven chapters. Uh, I'm going to probably try a little bit harder to understand chapter 5. It's a hard one. It's the longest chapter in the Book of Mormon. It's a hard one to really like focus in on the olive tree allegory, but it's a good one. Um, And I was talking to a friend the other day who said he thinks olive tree allegory is happening now. Like we are living in it. It is an analogy for us, our times right now. So I'm going to try and read it with that in mind. Anyway, but 2 Nephi 28, 21, here's the verse. I'll tell you kind of where I was going with this. And it took me a kind of few directions. I went through a rabbit hole on this one for about like 30, 40 minutes in my study. And it says, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, all is well, and thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Now, we've heard that verse before, right? Carefully down to hell being like the specific term that we've referred to because that's it's getting led down to hell without actually even recognizing it, right? That's the, that's the deceptive nature of the devil. So no surprise there. We've all heard that before. But what had uh, kind of, I don't know, spoken out to me or like look, I looked at a different way this time was the term carnal security. It says he will pacify and lull them away into carnal security. What is carnal security? Is it when, and this is where I don't really have an answer. I'll be honest. Is it, is it, are we reaching a nice standard according to the world? May it be wealth, good looks, status in life, etc. Is that what carnal security is? Is that when we're most susceptible to the deceptions of the devil? That we think that these somehow, this is an indication of our blessings and good living, but it's really just a false flag? And I think that that's actually what I ended up writing, is that don't fall for carnal security as some sort of indication of one's blessings. This is a tool of the devil, right? And it's a very effective one. 
So that actually led me down because I, I used my love, beloved app, scriptures.byu.edu, and I was looking at this, and I was looking at this verse, and I was tons of conference talks reference that verse, no surprise there. So I looked at some specific ones, and I will never not look at an Elder Maxwell reference whenever he talks about a verse that I'm looking into, just because I love that man, big fan of his, and he always seems to say things that just speak to me. And I found this quote, and this quote initially doesn't seem like it's relevant, but it is. Um, and I'll tell you why in a sec, but this, I'll just read the quote, start to finish. It says, today in place of some traditionally shared values is a demanding conformity pushed ironically by those who eventually will not tolerate those who once tolerated them. While incremental iniquity may not cause a huge decline all at once, the same somber direction is nevertheless continued subtly and carefully with no arousing jolts or jars. Now, that's obviously the second half is what he's talking about with the carefully leading them carefully down to hell, right? But the first part, I actually ended up sharing on social media because I was like, this is crazy. There's a demanding conformity pushed, ironically, by those who eventually will not tolerate those who once tolerated them. That's what we're seeing in the last five to ten years, right? And this was, he said this back in 99. This was in his, in April 1999 talk. And he's sitting there saying, we're going to see this. We're going to start seeing people that are going to be able to like, they have their free speech and they're going to abuse it, not abuse it. I mean, I guess you can't abuse free speech. That, that means you should still have it, but you could still abuse it technically, right? Anyway, so they're abusing their free speech by coming down on others and saying, you need to accept us and you need to actually band together with us and make us feel justified in what we do or get out. And you can't utilize the same freedoms that we have that led us to where we are at right now there is a lot of irony there anyway what's interesting though is that this whole idea of carnal security that i referenced earlier is a lot like what jacob talks about right at the beginning in jacob one and two and he specifically says all you guys think you're doing well because you have so much to hang your hat on he's talking about the the riches that they have, right? They're coming into wealth. He specifically notes that aspect of it. He talks about the fine linen. He talks about uh, the gold and silver that they all own, the jewelry. And he's saying, this is not where the blessings are. So he actually has a verse here that I love. And it stood out to me just today while I was reading. He says, wherefore it burdeneth my soul that I should be constrained because of the strict commandment which I have received from God to admonish you according to your crimes, to enlarge the wounds of those who are already wounded instead of consoling and healing their wounds, and those who have not been wounded, instead of feasting upon the pleasing word of God, have daggers placed to pierce their souls and wound their delicate minds. It's kind of funny because Jacob almost sounds like he's patronizing them a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe that's just me. Um, he's clearly saying, I don't want to have to come down on you guys, but you guys need to hear this. And I'm already going gonna, gonna to wound you even more to those that are already wounded, and I'm going to wound those that don't think they're wounding, wounded. And, and that's going to rob them of feasting upon the pleasing word of God, right? If you have things to repent for, that's a red herring. That's a distraction. That's something that you need to work on in order to get to a certain level of spirituality that allows you to feast on these words. That's why sin is another reason why sin is so bad. It's so distracting. It takes time away that you could normally use to actually build your testimony. So anyway, a couple little random tidbits that are all strung together, believe it or not, I think, to some degree at least. Carnal security, Jacob specifically speaking to that. We cannot dare say that because we have everything so well, that things are going well, that we have a nice car, that we have a nice house, all that stuff, 
that we are that that's an indication of our blessings not in a, not even a little bit what's an indication of our blessings is the spirit the spirit being present in our hearts in our lives in our families in our houses your house can be any kind but if the spirit is present it's going to be the exact same equal to every other house out there that has the spirit present in it and that's all that matters and i think that's what jacob's telling us anyway with that i'll go ahead and wrap it up love you all thanks for uh Tuning in again for another episode of Latter-day Takes. I hope it was an enjoyable Halloween episode. I hope this gospel segment got the spirit back a little bit after talking about some creepy stories and then a terrible movie, Hocus Pocus 2, put on by Disney+. Plus. Anyway, love you all. We'll see you next week. Um, Hopefully I'll uh, start to get more time here so I can kind of dedicate a little bit more time to the podcast, have a little bit more interesting topics and a little more interesting guests than just myself. But either way, if it's enjoyable for you, then it's enjoyable for me. I'll see you all. so mad there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night cause I could almost see it did you fade right out of you if it takes time